So we begin a new series today entitled, When Jesus Calls My Name. Do you like having your name called? Or do you like being called by a number? You know, you go to In-N-Out Burger, had number 67. That's not me yet. Number 68. Number 69. That's me, I'm 69. Here's my food. You don't like being called by a number. Now, some restaurants, they actually get your first name, right? And they try to hang that with you. But uh, you like your name because there's a personalness to it. Now, your name may not be a unique name because, like if I said, you know, Bob was up here and said, Hey, Bob! How many of you go, oh. Hey, Debbie! There's a lot of Debbies in this church. Debbie! Right? But if you have your last name to it, you know, Debbie Parnakian. Oh, that's me. There we go, right? Debbie Gibbler, oh, that's me, right? Debbie Taylor, oh, that's me, right? And then you could put your middle name in there. I don't know what your middle names are, so I want to embarrass you on that kind of aspect, right? And then you could also sort of give some other type of detailed information. Now, I know that some of you are new, and this might be a little scary, so don't be scared about it. Um, if you're a regular around here, then, and then join with me on it. But there's the new and the old since we moved into this building, and that's sort of fun because, uh, you know, our expanding, growing church family is great. But some of you don't know one another. And so I'm going to just sort of ask you to tell us who you are, if you don't mind. So would you stand right up here? This is unplanned, so tell me your name. I'm Lori. Uh, just a second. Tell me your name, and I want to know uh, where you're from, and uh, what's one of your favorite things to do. Here we go. My name is Lori Shelley. I'm married to Frank Johnson, and I was born in Texas, where he wishes he was born. And um, <clears throat> I grew up in California. My dad's in the military, so I sort of went all over the place. But my favorite thing to do is to sing. There you go. So, Lori from Texas who likes to sing. You got that? And I don't know, some connection to a Frank guy. I don't know what that deal is. Right, stand right up here. All right? So, you got to meet Lori afterwards. Uh, name, where you're from, what you like to do. Uh, my name is Mike Altabelli. I'm uh, born in uh, East L.A. from Los Angeles. And uh, my favorite thing to do is, is cook. There you go. So, this is Mike. Hey, you can invite us over anytime. So, Mike uh, from East L.A., yeah, and uh, he likes to cook, all right? So, uh, I'm going to have this guy stand up right here. All right, turn around. All right. Name, where are you from, what you like to do? My name is Roy, and I'm from Temecula, originally from Torrance, and I like to uh, come to church. That's what I like to do. There you go. Roy from Torrance, who likes to come to church. I'm going to pick on this lady right here. Did you know I was going to come pick you on? Maybe. Maybe. All right. I did. Christina, and I'm from Southern California all over, and I love to sing, too. There you go. Christina, Southern California, likes to sing. Now, should I walk around and make you people in the back? Because you sit in the back, and you think, like, in the back, I don't get picked on. So you're not going to be too nervous about it, right? I don't know. Is that true? Yeah. Who can we pick on? Joe, you want me to pick on you? No, Joe says, I, 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 maybe not. I'm going to go right here. <laughs> like, oh, crud, he went down my row. Um, my name is Beth Lafreniere. This is my husband, Devin. Um, we are from Michigan. We just moved here last summer, and uh, we're living now in Marietta, and I love to read. I don't know if that's there you go. That works, Beth. 
Beth from Michigan, who loves to read, right? That's cool. I don't know these folks here. Would you stand and tell us who you are? So this is cold turkey stuff, so this is scary to people. They'll probably never come back. I don't know. Hi, my name's David. Uh, this is my wife, Naomi. This is our first time here. Oh, dear. <laughs> and that's about it. Where, where are you from? What do you like to do? Oh, well, I live in Paris, and uh, we like to do a lot of vacationings and holidays and stuff like that. So that's great. Dave, I'm Carrie. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. Thanks for coming today. Dave from Paris, who likes to do other kinds of readings. i got to come over here and get this back here, the back row. Who's looking good on the back row? I'm going to grab this guy here. Can I grab you? Sure. Why not? They were brand new. I don't know if you're brand new or not. I am. Okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. My name's Andrew. Andrew. Um, I'm from Southern California. Lived, uh, just moved up to Marietta a couple years ago, and um, I like to sing as well. All right. That's great. Andrew, <laughs> Southern California. You're like, am I surely done? I'm grabbing you. Can you do it? Yeah. All right. Here we go. My name is Megan, also my first time here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I live in Marietta. I was originally from Enid, Oklahoma, and I like to read. Great. Got that? Megan from Oklahoma likes to read. i got to grab one youth person here or something, right? Stan. Who are you? Where are you from? My name is Sam Noshel, and I'm from Illinois, and I like music. There you go. Listening to music. Sam from Illinois loves music. You're not a number. You're a person. And it's not just that you're from a place and you have interest. You have far more intrinsic value even than that. And that's what I want us to look at in these weeks. Because the most important person that has ever existed on this whole earth knows you by name. Knows you by name. Some of you may recall uh, Troy Black, who used to attend our church family. Some of you remember Troy? And he was in the Marines, and he was moving up the ranks. And I saw this week that uh, Troy Black, he and his wife, uh, went back to the East Coast. Uh, he has been selected as the next sergeant, master sergeant of the Marines. Sergeant Major, I'm sorry. Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. i got to get all that language down. I had it down before I came here today. Sergeant Major of the Marines. Like, this is the top enlisted position you can possibly get. And he's number 19, and he takes it this summer. And when I saw the announcement, his Facebook you know, announcement of things, I went, Hey, hey, I know Troy. And I could call Troy up this top Marine guy in the whole land, and I could say, Troy, it's Pastor Kerry, and he would know my name. In fact, we were in a rooted group together. He's a very vibrant, solid believer, and it's pretty cool to see how God's blessed him to be in that particular role in that kind of position. But, you know, hey, I might know Troy, but big whoop-de-doo, I know Jesus. And even more valuable than that is Jesus knows me. He not only knows me by face, he knows me by name. And that should change your life and change my life. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he was up front. He was close at hand with real people getting to know them. 
He was like you and I as we build relationships afterwards with pizza and salad. You're going to maybe meet some new people, maybe some of the first-timers that came this morning if they weren't too scared that they're going to leave. I don't know. But it's, it's cool to meet but also get to know people. And Jesus, that's what he did. He wasn't some distant God that stayed way down in, in some fourth dimension and said, y'all have at it, I made your world go. God became one of us. And when he lived among us, he didn't travel the globe. He spent his time in a community of people. And when he spent his time in that community of people, he got up close and he got to know people. And those people were endeared to him and he was endeared to them. And what we have in our Christian faith is not a religion. It's not an institution. It's not a program. What we have is a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think this world that we live in is in desperate need of personal faith, a personal relationship. There's skepticism about institutions today. There's a lot of infighting one person to another and people dividing sides and becoming a part of this group and that group, right? Jesus came to bring people together, all different kinds of people, and he did it with personal touch. And he wants to do that in your life. Are you feeling ostracized this morning, separate, alone? Are you feeling like, yeah, I got a few friends, I got a few family members, but there's not the richness of great community? Jesus came that you may have the richness of that great community, but he came to give you worth as an individual in the midst of that. And so we're going to look in just these few weeks at some of the places where Jesus actually uses the name of an individual. Then call him, hey, number 72, right? He calls them by name. And the first one comes off the hills of what we looked at last week, which was what? Do you remember? It was this story if I can turn my little thing on. It was this story. If you got me there, Daniel, that'd be great. John 20. It was the empty tomb. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. Now, Mary Magdalene was one of the many Marys in Scripture. In fact, Mary was really one of the most common Jewish names at the time for a female person. And there was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and I go on. But... Mary Magdalene, she was named that because she was from Magdala. And Magdala was on the southwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, and it was known from some different kinds of, of things. And, and Mary, well, she had some history. And this history defined not only who she was, but defined the richness of who God changed her into being. It says this in Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from town to town and village to another, proclaiming the good news in the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also, and also, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now, this is interesting because women in that particular day and age, they were just sort of sidelined. They weren't that important. They didn't have a voice in things, definitely in leadership, that kind of deal. Jesus, he took this whole discussion of women and 
the prominence of the female person in society and elevated it to a whole incredible level. And so he not only had his disciples, and you can name some of those, Peter, James, John, right, following him around. He had this constituency of ladies that were following too. And one of the prominent people in that group of women was Mary Magdalene from Magdala. And Mary from Magdala had had troubles in her past. And it says here in Scripture specifically that she was freed of seven demons. Now, I don't know what your belief is in the spiritual realm, but Scripture is pretty clear that there's a spiritual realm beyond us. And it's not just the divine realm of God and His angels and His Holy Spirit working in our midst. That there are fallen angels, and those fallen angels are called unclean spirits or demonic spirits sometimes. And those demonic spirits seek to wreak havoc on this earth, particularly in the lives of people. And someone who's afflicted, and I like that word better, is, is afflicted by demonic spirits. It's not someone who's foaming at the mouth, head spinning around, that kind of thing. But they sort of get along during the day, but, but they, they have this tug, this pull in some areas where Satan's trying to really undermine them and trip them up. And, and, and maybe they've given a foothold to Satan in a certain area. But the person that is afflicted by demonic spirits is not someone that you, you would think, oh, they need to be institutionalized. No. So don't think of Mary Magdalene as, well, she was really a messed up case. She was afflicted by unclean spirits, seven unclean spirits that afflicted her in ways that we do not know about. And Jesus healed her of those demonic spirits. And she was sort of known that way, even that was placed here in Scripture. Now, there's some other places in Scripture that people think that it might have been referring to Magdalene. She's actually named and referenced more than most, a lot of the disciples. In fact, 12 different times Mary Magdalene is mentioned in Scripture. And one of those times, some people think, is when, you know, the, the woman who broke the alabaster jar of perfume and anointed Jesus' feet. It's like a chapter right before what we just read. And it could have been, maybe not. It was someone who was known from a sinful past, that kind of thing. Another is the woman who was caught in adultery. If you watch The Passion of the Christ, you know, they, they sort of tied this in. But you really can't do that. Where the woman who was caught in adultery, that, hey, he who was without the first stone, you know, who was out sin cast the first stone. Well, we don't necessarily know that either, though Magdala was known a little bit for its prostitution side of life, right? But uh, Mary Magdalene was one of these... Uh, I don't know what the term is, a modern term. I should ask Joe before I stepped up here, but groupie in my day, right? That would just travel around where we're you know, chasing after this band and that band, and we're always showing up. Well, she was always present there, not because she was enthralled with some cool kind of popular famous person, but she was endeared to Jesus because Jesus had touched her life, changed her life, and she had found completeness and wholeness in him. Not in going to the synagogue, not in just showing up wherever Jesus might preach, but Jesus himself. She was endeared to him. And so you find Mary Magdalene through the Passion Week. In several different locations, she was there when he had the trial going on, some of those mock trials. She was there at the cross, standing a little bit closer to the cross, actually, than, than some of the, the disciples were because of the fear of the Jews and what was going on. But she saw Jesus die on the cross. And Mary Magdalene was, was around when they placed Jesus in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. 
She knew. Now, she was from up north in Galilee. This all happened in Jerusalem. So she wasn't too familiar of the turf. But it says that she went to the tomb in, in night in the early part of the day. She had become so familiar with some of the back and forth in Jerusalem, which was not her hometown, that she knew how to get to the tomb when it was dark. So that means she probably had showed up a few times, maybe on Saturday, Silent Saturday, remember? So here it is early on Easter Sunday morning. And she came to the tomb early. And we mentioned last week when she was at the tomb, she discovered that, well, it was empty. And so she took off and she ran and she got Peter and John, and she said, ah, the tomb's empty. We don't want to, where will they took Jesus? And so Peter and John came running, and, and they went into the tomb, and they saw it all sort of nicely, uh, things folded up there, but he wasn't there, and so they took off. And remember Mary Magdalene, she stayed outside the tomb. And she stooped and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus had been laid. And they saw her weeping and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, can I pause there for a second with this? What do you see? in her statement to the angels. Well, they took away that guy who was claiming to be the Messiah, and they put in here. I don't know where he went. No. They have taken away my Lord. Isn't there a, a term, a sense of endearment going on with Mary Magdalene there? And she is broken. That's why she's crushed in spirit. This one who set her life free from these afflictions, the one who gave her purpose and meaning and a prominent position in the midst of the community of Christ's followers. They've taken him away. He was crucified. I saw it. I saw him put him in the tomb and I visited this tomb. And now I don't know why. Where's he at? They've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. He's trying to troubleshoot. Whole passage of time now has elapsed. We're in a different era. Jesus is dead. He's gone. I don't understand it all. But my Lord's gone. At least I could take care of his body. It was, you know, Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath, and so they couldn't do the preparations of the body. So there was some of that that was needed to have gone on before, and she was probably participating in it. And it's like, she's just sad. She's broken. She's a loss, but there's been a death. A death of the one who changed her life. She didn't recognize Jesus. In part because he had a resurrected body, but I think mostly due to the fact that it was nowhere, not only on her thought list, but any of the followers of Christ, that he was going to come back from the dead. People just don't do that. He had spoken about it, but that didn't resonate with them. They didn't quite understand it. And so she turns to Jesus who's standing there. And 
And he asks her after he says, why are you weeping? He just simply declares, Mary. Mary. And her eyes illuminate and open up. And she turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. You talk about your heart leaping for joy. Can you comprehend the moment in time that was when Mary Magdalene was in view of Jesus and his resurrected body and Jesus turns to her and says her name, Mary. As we mentioned in passing last week, but I impress upon you more strongly this week, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ would show up in your life if you're looking and say you, call you by your name. He knows you. He knows you. Mary. Now what did Jesus do at that moment? Well, he said to her, stop clinging to me for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene, came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord! And then he'd said these things to her. Now, if I could, wanted to really wake you up today, we'd all practice that. How would you say that when you went back to the disciples? She peeled out of there. She ran back, obeying her master who was now alive. And she said, hey, we've seen the Lord. I think that empty tomb, I think maybe he's alive. Yeah. How? I have seen the Lord! He's raised from the dead. You know what Mary Magdalene is referred to? Even in the Orthodox Church today, in their sort of conservative kind, she is known as the apostle to the apostles. She is the one who announced to the apostles that Jesus was alive, the very same thing the apostles then began to do. They were witnesses of Jesus. And here God chose a woman to be the first eyewitness of his resurrection and tell the brethren. In a day and age when the testimony of a woman was not validated much, it speaks highly of Christ validating women in the position that he gives women in culture and society. Jesus said to Mary her name. And Mary became an apostle to those who would be the apostles, pronouncing his resurrection to them. And they would then take it to the world. Mary. Mary Magdalene. Not Mary, mother of Jesus. Mary. The one who had seven demons cast out of her. The one who, possibly, if you go back to that passage I just read in Luke, about the women that traveled with them, it says that they gave resources to Jesus. It's believed that Mary Magdalene might have had some inheritance, some wealth. Maybe she was a part of the, the family of Magdala and the profession that was there, the, the, the commerce professions that was there, and she was also in support financially of the disciples in Jesus' journey. She played a prominent role in the life of the New Testament church. Mary Magdalene. Jesus knew her by name. But what about you? Jesus didn't around. 
Well, I know he's here by his spirit, but he can't go around and walk the mic like I walk the mic and introduce and get to know you and that kind of thing. And so we just sort of come and we sort of hope God hears us. We, we like to sing the songs and we hope that he sort of, you know, fills us with some spirit of encouragement for the day. And, and we're looking forward to the pizza afterwards. But friends, when I stand up here after we sing and I say, Jesus is in the house, I mean it. Wherever two or three are gathered, there Christ is in our midst. But we do not know that Jesus is in the house because we live our life at such a pace that we have him tuned out. But if we will slow down, if we will take our burden to the cross and leave it at the one who paid for it all, God can speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And what we have is not a church-going institutional program for you to be a part of. What we have for one another is a living Lord and Savior who knows you by name and wants to speak to you and walk with you and talk with you. I remember my dad, he always had these little diddly songs that he would bring up and it must have been from his past or whatever and sometimes I would catch him just simply saying, and he walks with me and he talks with me. You know that song? And he tells me I am his own and the voice I hear ringing in my ear is none other than ever been known. I don't know why, brother. My little kid, I remember my dad talking about, he walks with me and he talks with me. See, my dad didn't know. My dad didn't know what Easter was about until he was 17 years old. He grew up in a good family, a good farming family in rural Indiana. In fact, I can still go to the house he grew up in and then I go back to the house that I grew up in, which was where his grandparents, I think, had grown up in. And my parents lived their whole life. My mom still lives there. My dad knew what it was to be saved. And he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. After his high school years and his young adult years, and when he'd spent some time going here and there and probably tracking down some things he shouldn't have tracked down in life, Jesus changed and redeemed his life. My dad was passionate, involved in church and starting churches and supporting churches and missionaries, that kind of thing. You know, he had a lot of warts too and problems. There's no question about that with my dad. It's like all of us, right? But I knew my dad had a personal relationship with Jesus and, and that impacted me. And so did my mom. I would get up early. I'd come downstairs sometimes and I just see her reading her Bible. I'm so grateful. I'm, I catch me with this. I am so grateful. I'm blessed. I know that a lot of times it's not true. Maybe it was true for you, and that's great if it was. If it's not, then, then change the route going forward in your family history. But I was blessed to be in a family that wasn't caught up in religion or church attendance, and we went a lot. My mom was a piano player. We had to be there early but it was taught to me that it was about a relationship and not a religion. And this is my concern, not only for our culture at large, but for us as a church moving forward, that we as a body of people would be endeared to the personal relationship with Jesus and not get caught up in all the trappings of Christianity, good and bad. And so I ask you this morning, do you know if Jesus calls you by name? 
and have you responded? Maybe some of you watched the NFL draft this weekend. One Thursday evening, the commissioner stepped to the podium and he said, with the first pick of the 2019 NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray, quarterback from Oklahoma. And that's one future rich guy right there on the screen. <laughs> He's good. He's short for a quarterback, so there's some concern about him. But Kyler Murray, Murray also could have gone to Major League Baseball. He was drafted there, so he's a phenomenal athlete. I think there were like 24 NFL picks, hopeful picks, sitting in the green room waiting for their name to be called. And it was sort of a foregone conclusion that Arizona was probably going to take Kyler. And so he comes out, he dons on the hat, he holds up the jersey, number one, Kyler Murray. And so the draft went all weekend. 200 and some players being picked by name. Has anybody in here had their name called in the NFL draft? Now, G.J. played in the NFL, but you didn't get drafted, did you, Fred? Those people were waiting for their name to be called. And you go, wow, that'd be pretty cool. But I want you to know this morning that the pick is in. The pick is in on behalf of God, and he has picked you. And he's picked you as number one. Well, you can't do that. Not everybody can be number one. Not everybody gets a trophy in life. Come on, Carrie. How can he do that? I don't even know how you say, hey, you can know me by name. I mean, I hardly know ten names of people, and I forget people. I mean, I'm going to be embarrassed when I walk out of here today, and the people that stood and said their name, I'm going to forget what their name was. Some of you still have that embarrassment on a Sunday morning. You've met them five or six times and you just sort of avoid them because you don't want to have to try to say their name. I had somebody call me out. The piano player did actually around the front row. Where is she at? Is she in there? And she says, what my name is. And I said, how, do you, how would you do that to me? And I knew it was a little tricky name. Her name's Vanessa, but she goes by Nessa. And I said, it's, I finally, finally got it right a little bit. But I've just chosen in this church to be awkward. And if I've met you 20 times and I say to you, I'm sorry, what's your name? Don't look at me like you dummy. I would much rather be the person that's sort of held dummy looking than the other person. So I give you all permission at the pizza and salad thing to ask somebody their name, even though you've talked to them and you've walked with them for four or five months. Just ask them their name again. Or actually, you can't get a piece of pizza. I need to, where's Don at in here? I need to make sure all the name tags are at the front end. You can't get a piece of pizza or a salad unless you have a name tag on. So we'll just help everybody out, right? But I, I can't really know that many people by name. How does Jesus do that? Friends, Jesus is God. He's infinite. And it's no harder for him to know you by name, Mike, than it is to know all the Mikes in the United States. Out of his infinite resources, he is able to be intimately involved in your life. This is one of the wonders, the incredible things about our God. He's not some distant landlord out there. He's personal. He came and walked among us. He said it was to our advantage that he left. So he goes. He sends his Holy Spirit back down. His Spirit fills a room where people are gathered in his name. Jesus is in the house. The pick is in, and he calls you by name. 
Have you responded? Or do you sit in the green room and go, I don't know. Maybe it was some other Kyler or some other Murray. No, you get up and you respond. You don't the hat in your jersey. I'm on this person's team. And I want to see you respond to Jesus because he's calling your name. As he called Mary's name, when she was transformed from having the affliction of the demonic spirits and everything else was going wrong in her life, she responded. She said, where have you taken my Lord? Jesus, stop clinging to me, he said, because she was intimately knowing Jesus. And there's not a single person in this room or anybody a part of your family or your friend networks that cannot be intimately known by Jesus. So let me just walk through a a few clear statements here. Jesus created you before you were ever known as a creation. Do you know that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and life was the light of man. It says that in in John. Jesus created everything. He was the Word. And it says this, in Psalm 139, 16, Your eyes, God, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Beautiful! He knew you. He knew you before you were even created because He created you. Secondly, Jesus pursues you before you ever think of pursuing Him. Do you remember pursuing your spouse if you're married here today? How'd that go? I was, I was sort of a little slow on the trigger, my wife would tell you. Five years, on again, off again kind of deal, mostly because of me. But when you spot someone and you feel led, you try to uh, rearrange and align your life. I remember there was a season in my wife, Melissa's life, who's sitting over here, where I would physically drive by the house where she was staying on this college campus just to see if she was out. And that was during a time that we were not doing well together. You remember it. Stalker. I suppose, honey, you can call it stalking. I was in my heart pursuing. Because she wouldn't talk to me at that time. That's why she's not telling Jesus pursues you before you ever thought of pursuing him. Psalm 23, 6 says this in the message. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. In 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. He loves you. Some of you need to know that this morning. You think your life is so broken and backwards. You've been so double-minded. You've been doing the, you know, the two-step dance with God your whole life. He's still there pursuing you with his love because he pursued you first. Jesus calls you before you ever think of calling on him. John 15, 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He chose you before you ever ever been picked for a team, sort of like maybe the NFL draft. You know, I think there were four or five players that get picked in the first round, and they had to go back to their hotel rooms and show back up the next day embarrassing right you would think that i'm sorry if you get picked in the second round that's still really good but jesus he picks you first you don't have to be waiting in some green room because of your history whatever it is he picks you he chose you 
you know, there, there's a lot of debate sometimes as to does God just sort of do this divine election where a few are elected to be saved and a few aren't, you know. But, you know, yeah, friends, I don't know what your theology is, but I can't get anywhere from Scripture that Jesus didn't pay it all for all people. Jesus desires, it says in Timothy, that all would be saved and brought to faith in him. I don't know, maybe he woos a few more, a little bit extra than others. I don't know, in all that sovereignty of his. But Jesus paid it all for all people, including your sin and mine. And so he picks and chooses you. Jesus knew your name before you ever named him. John 10, 3 and verse, uh, verses elsewhere there talk about him being the shepherd. It says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is said right in the context where we referred to last week where Jesus is able to say that I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to pick it back up again. You destroy this temple and in three days I'm going to rebuild it. What? I know my sheep. I know them by name. John 10, 27, For my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And there's this verse out of Isaiah 43. I think it's pretty cool. It's referencing Israel at large, but Israel at large was a forerunner of Christ, being able to know us and intimately choose us as God chose the nation of Israel to be a blessing to bless all people. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And if I could just extend just a few more verses there, because I, I just felt maybe some of you might be valuable hearing it. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I know you by name. Jesus said to her, So Jesus created you before you were even known as a creation. Jesus pursues you before you ever think or thought of pursuing him. Jesus calls you before you ever think of calling on him. And Jesus knew your name before you ever named him. Friends, this is my summary statement in this. Is my faith only about beliefs, decisions, and practices? Or is my faith about being with Jesus who calls me by name. Jesus says to me, put your name there. Jesus calls to me a personal, intimate, everyday relationship with him, not formed by religious and church-going spiritual arrangements. And so ask yourself today, have I come to a place in my faith where I can say, I am called by Jesus and I am called to Jesus and I am responding to his call. We're going to unpack that a little bit more next week as we continue on with another name that Jesus personally used 
in interacting with his disciples. I wanted to show you a couple pictures, though, as we close. Pictures of people that God called by name. This is one of my Ruta groups. We did our serve experience yesterday in Menifee. A lot of people there. We cleaned up the yard of two Sun City houses. You see, this message is sort of a little bit general until you start pointing people out, right? John is over here on the left. He wasn't a part of our group, but he was the volunteer overseeing our project. But Jesus knows John. This is Lance. I don't know if Lance is here today or the rest of my, or my group, but God knows Lance by name and his daughter, Elizabeth. The tall guy in the back, yeah, he knows him. His name's Carrie. And this is Julia. Jesus knows you by name, Julia. Aaron, Jesus knows you by name. Justin, Jesus knows you by name. Christina, you met Christina, she stood. Jesus knows you by name. April, Jesus knows you by name. Mark, Jesus, he knows you by name. Juan, Jesus knows you by name. And this was Sandy. That was her house. And we helped Sandy. Jesus knows them by name. There was another group of people that went to a conference yesterday to serve or to get equipped for access, our disability inclusion ministry. Rick, Jesus knows his name. Bethany. Well, there's also a Britain. Uh, <laughs> Bethany. Sarah. No. Yeah. Shelly. Cindy. Who's this, Daniel? I just want to make sure you knew your girlfriend's name. And Daniel, and Joe, and Don, and Susie, and Elise. She's doing sign language in the elementary school, in the, in the elementary room for us. Pierce. I don't know why he's got the wallet in his mouth. Oh, it's a donut. Melissa. Debbie. When you see a picture, don't you go... Oh, who's that? Do I know them? Oh, if you're in the picture, like, oh, that's a bad picture. Why do we always say that? We're so self-conscious. Individual names, individual faces, and Jesus knows each of you by name. So as you have your pizza and salad today, we're going to be taking some pictures around tables. I want some nice group shots. Maybe we'll show them back here next week. Jesus knows you by name. I want to know, have you responded? You are called by Jesus. You are called to Jesus, but you must respond. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, may we respond with hearts full of joy that you have not only been raised from the dead, but upon your resurrection, you have come to us and you have called us to yourself by name. And if there's anyone in here who's never responded to you before, I pray, Lord Jesus, that in the quietness of this prayer, they would just simply say, I receive you, Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I don't fully know how you know me by name, 
but I want to live with you. I want to walk with you. I want to know what it means to have my life change because you paid it all on the cross. And so I lay my life down too. I give it to you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and from this day forward, with your help, I will choose to live for you. Amen and amen. We're going to let you watch the recap video here as the ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. If you made a prayer commitment, whether last week or this week, to follow Jesus Christ, mark the back of your Connect card. We would love to follow you up. When this video is done, you are dismissed. You're going to go out that door and you're going to turn to the right. The food line goes that way. Get your kids first. But we're now going to segue into the second part of our Sunday morning here on this last day of April 2019. God bless. Hope to see you out there. If not, back next week. Watch this video and then you're dismissed.